0: Welcome, everybody, into the final seasonal edition of Magic Weekly. Jake Chapman here with you. It is Tuesday, September 1st. Magic wrapped up the season on Saturday, falling four games to one in the first round to the Milwaukee Bucks. And now an offseason, I would say, of uncertainty for both the Magic and for the entire NBA. And to break down a season that we will never forget, uh, and the off season coming up here, you hear him and see him uh, basically everywhere. The Orlando Magic are doing anything. He's Dan Savage, OrlandoMagic.com. He's he's been friend of the program for Magic Drive Time, friend of the pod for Magic Weekly all season long. Orlando Magic director of digital news. Uh, he covers the Magic. He covers Magic gaming, and also I would say chief question asker for the Zoom sessions out at Disney. Dan Savage is on Twitter at Dan underscore Savage my guest for this edition of magic weekly dan you jumped to the top of the list with, with, with these zoom media sessions um out at disney and it, it, will you just take me through that like what's it like asking questions because i was always just sort of like you know like away in the shadows listening to all these uh, media sessions getting my audio what's it like asking a question when you're you know miles apart from uh, from the subject
1: well, it's easier to ask a difficult question because nobody can, uh, you know, reach out and grab you uh, afterwards. <laughs> you don't, <laughs> but, feel, you uh, don't
0: feel the the daggers being being shot through you?
1: Yeah, exactly. But, but from a realistic standpoint, the only tough part about it is that it's hard to get into a flow. You know, if you're in that scrum and there's a certain topic you want to address, uh, you can get a few questions in a row. But it becomes difficult with just the hand raised function. You may ask about a certain subject and then the subsequent reporter in line uh, you know, asks a different question and it totally disrupts that flow. So it becomes a little difficult if you have a certain angle you're trying to you know, really run with to get some in depth answers. But other than that, it's, you know, it, the Magic Communication team did a great job to make it as normal as possible.
0: Let's start there between Joel Glass, Brooke Brambolo, uh George Galanti, and Trish Wingerson, A phenomenal job of getting all of the broadcasters and everybody covering the league, all of the content that they needed. That's a really good point, though, because you go back and, and you know this. I don't care if you're writing, if you're doing TV, uh, if you're a radio guy like me, those like, you know, Saturday afternoon practices in the middle of January, where there's only three or four media members there, that's where you can get those. Um, four and five follow-ups, and and you know Cliff will stand with you for twenty-five, thirty minutes after practice, and you just chat a little bit. You don't have that that sort of luxury and and, and that time when you're doing these sort of you know very rigid Zoom media sessions. I have to think that, especially for a writer, that, that that can be a detriment.
1: No, absolutely, and it becomes very difficult, especially with the things like you look at take the Aaron Gordon injury for example. Mm. If you're there at practice every day, you can gauge with your eyes what he looks like, how far away is he really, um, those type of things. And when you're away, you know, you're just relying on whatever's being said. And it's hard to get, you know, the full answer of certain things or, you know, get get your real take on the situation. You're just relying on what's being told to you. So, you know, those become the the challenging aspects of it. Um, when you're trying to, you know, do do a great job of telling the story is that you become reliant on what everybody else is saying. Uh, and then, you know, from another standpoint, it's harder to get in depth, it's hard to have those off the record conversations where you may pick up an additional tidbit or two to that help shape the narrative. Um, those things, you know, are all removed during this process. But with that being said, uh, you know, like I said, the coaches, players, communication staff were so open and willing to, you know, just basically do as much as possible to make it as normal as possible that, uh, you know, you really didn't feel it all that much. I made a joke after the game on Saturday to Dennis Newman in the post-game
0: show. You know, Dennis has been with the organization forever and, you know, even for, for guys like you and I, Dan, who have been around a decade, a little bit longer, um, covering the league, you know, after five or six seasons, maybe certainly 10, 15 seasons for somebody like Dennis, the seasons kind of swirl and mesh together. Like, you know, did that happen in 93 or 94 or whatever? Nobody is going to ever forget the 2019-20 season who had anything to do with it across the NBA. I mean, from start to finish, almost, the entire thing was unprecedented for both good reasons and bad. When you look back on it, I mean, it, it was basically a year-long season. I mean, we we started preparing for things last September, uh, as we typically do. When you look back on it, like, what, what are going to be the first two, three things that jump into your head as far as uh,
1: what we just went through over the last year? Well, first it's going to be the segmenting of the seasons, because when I was going back and doing some of the stuff to to get revamped and to playoff preview, et cetera – It was like, wait, that happened this season? That seems so long ago. Uh, So, you know, the two segments of the season really stand out. Uh, You know, Josh Cohen of orlandomagic.com and I were really going through uh, all the storylines and what ones we want to attack and and rehash for the season. And unfortunately for this year, it's going to be that uh, injury resiliency model that's going to be, you know, a part of it. It's hard to imagine You know, you look at a player like Jonathan Isaac had two devastating injuries in in one year. How do do you have two season-ending injuries in the same season? You know, in that stroke of bad luck. Uh, You look at at how that team was playing the first two games inside the NBA campus, and you're like, this team not only has a real strong direction for what's going to happen in this bubble – but also for, you know, heading into the future. Their offense is clicking at a huge rate since February 10th. It was like every time I pulled the numbers since February 10th, the Magic were towards the top of the league in every offensive category. And you're thinking, wow, and this is with Jonathan Isaac coming off the bench, Martel Fultz coming off the bench at that point in the NBA campus life cycle. You're looking at this team and you're like – they have a real chance here and they look, they have an extremely bright looking future. And then, you know, just as quickly, all that gets dashed with Jonathan Isaac going down, Aaron Gordon going down, Michael Carter Williams, who played such a huge role for this team defensively going down. That's going to be a big tone because for a team that was constructed to be a factor defensively, to lose MCW, Aaron Gordon, Jonathan Isaac al Minu, Aminu, who are all supposed to be defensive stalwarts for this franchise, that, I don't think that's gotten enough play, at least among, you know, the national writers who were covering that series. And then I think on top of it, then the, the last part is just going to be the growth. And, you know, you could point to Markel Fultz over the course of the year with his development uh, you look at Nikola Vucevic, and you would think a guy of his age who'd already made an all-star appearance, maybe he had reached his peak, he is what he is, but no, sir. I mean, you look at the way he played in the entire NBA campus life cycle was just sensational and, you know, totally rebounded from a rough playoff series, you know, to go on and show there. So a lot of credit goes to Steve Clifford and his, and his staff because I think they handled that adversity so well. And we saw a number of growth cases that can get you excited about this team's future.
0: Yeah, I I, I keep on going back to the job that Cliff and his staff did, just because, like, if you go back, you know, if you go back a year, obviously a lot changes in a year, and and, and plenty has since September 1, 2019. Just go back to to January, like to late January before the trade deadline. And if I were to tell you that the Magic would make the playoffs, but it wouldn't be until August – and Gary Clark and James Ennis would be two members of the starting lineup, and that's no knock on those guys. They both did a great job. It's just – I mean, the injuries obviously played such a big role, but then even just the ability to get those guys in, to to prep them up to be starters, and to get pretty good production out of them in a first-round series where you're heavy, heavy underdogs, Um, you know, that – the, the two games I thought the Magic had the best chance in the best the best games they played the game one win obviously um, and the loss in game four you know James Ennis and Gary Clark played huge roles in that in those games whether it was Ennis's job um, defensively on Middleton or whether it was Gary Clark knocking down shots you know you have to give credit to all the players for stepping up but man so much credit for Steve Clifford getting the, the most he could out of a very very difficult situation and making that stuff work on the fly you don't typically see teams with that many changes able to stay afloat and also I think you know the other part that reflects positively on the staff is the fact that defensively like we know this is a defensive identity based team but then the offense was really what made it take off um, just before the stoppage obviously post all-star break before the stoppage um you were one of the most offensively efficient teams in the league and to be able to to sort of accentuate both sides of the floor like that and and see growth in both areas with all of those injuries we mentioned, I mean, that's special stuff.
1: No, no question. And I just think you saw the identity of a Steve Clifford-led team when, you know, after everything that happened in between, I call them the two Game Fives, when you were about to start Game Five and then when Game Five actually happened, that emotional toll, uh, you know, it sucks the life out of a team that's especially – one that's down 3-1 in a series to the heavily favored Milwaukee Bucks, it would be real easy to go after that into that game five and just be like, you know what, We're we're going home today. And, you know, instead, the team not only has a great fight to start, but then even after they go down and heading into that fourth quarter, you know, down a huge amount, they come and rally back and bring it within three. To me, all that goes to, you know, credit goes to the head coaching staff, the players that they've brought in, you know, under Jeff Waltman and John Hannon. These guys uh, are there for the right reasons. They're playing for the right reasons. They're playing for their coach and organization. And uh, it's just a a great job done all around. Take me through the first game five, because it
0: was one of the most awkward 40 minutes of broadcasting I've ever done in my life. Um, It was – you know, once I got away from it, we got off the air. I said, wow, I was just a part of something monumental and historic. And I was so proud of our organization. I was so proud of um, of the league uh, to be a part of it w- w- with these guys. I, I did think, you know, probably the ideal situation for everybody was to get back playing again. Um, so I was thankful that we did that. But I, under- I would have understood fully if, if the players said, you know, we're done, we, we, we've got basketball is not the, the primary thing on our minds right now. What did you think on Wednesday when the Bucks didn't show up? Uh,
1: and, and just kind
0: of what was it like for you that
1: experience? Yeah, Jake, this is one of those things that we were talking about just at the beginning of this was, you know, this is one of those things where you'd like to actually be there. <laughs> it would help with the communication because, you know, just from being at home covering this game or at the, you know, at an arena that's not related to where the game's actually being played. It's harder to sort through all this. And then, you know, on top of it, I would say, you know, one of the most rewarding yet most challenging stories I've had to write was what happened on that day, because one, you want to give everybody and everything, the proper credit. You want to make sure you're taking it from the right angle, and you want to make sure you're thoroughly explaining everything. And to thoroughly explain everything, you also have to, you know, take a, a quick master class on social injustice to, you know, know the dynamics of what are go- what's going on in the country, and then, you know, try to look into the mind of both players from the Bucks the magic and the league's perspective, um, to really explain everything going on. So, you know, I think one of the things that probably helped you it helped myself, uh, is that, you know, we're both, you know, just from knowing you, very socially aware of what's going on in the country. We, you know, we haven't buried our heads in the sand. Uh, and you know, we're fortunate to work for an organization that's done the same. And so, uh, it was a very interesting day, but one of the days i 'm very proud of our league as a whole from and you know it, again, it was one of the most challenging but rewarding stories that that i 've written uh, you know during my time here
0: i, I think that 's a really good way to put it um, if you if you 're not armed with with an awareness of of what's going on and how the players are feeling, then, then you're not going to be able to, to, to get through moments like that in a live broadcast. Um, or I would imagine when you sit down and, and you try to write a story like that, you're just going to write and delete sentences over and over again, because <laughs> it is, it's a, you know, we, th- there's a reason that people say stick to sports and those people are wrong. Um, but the reason is because they're uncomfortable conversations to have. And so I do think, um, Making sure you're sticking your head in the sand, just like you said, um, avoiding that in, in in this day and age uh, is really, really important. And I, man, Dan, you know, I was thinking about it. We were talking off air about, you know, difficult, difficult broadcasts. And, and really what made Wednesday difficult for me was just the unknown. Like I just sort of kept doing the who, what, where, why, um, or the, basically the who, what, where. Um, because you don't want to speculate about situations like that. And so it was it was something I'll never forget. and it was a a tough broadcast that day. But like I said, when all was said and done, it was, um, I think it was something that needed to happen and I'm glad to see um, that it did and that we move forward, you know, hopefully um, having, having, having gotten a point across and having made somewhat of a difference you saw within 24, 48 hours, um, there were real, you know, sort of actionable differences made um, on that front on the political front. Let's talk some hoops before I let you go. You mentioned Markel Fultz, you mentioned Nick Vucevic, a, a season of growth for those guys. Boy, I think about, you know, we talk about a year ago, uh, what, what the organizational outlook was like, nobody had any idea a year ago what to think about Markel Fultz. And five games into the season, he's your starting point guard. I would say about five weeks into the season, uh, we all started getting pretty excited um, about the potential there. And, you know, look, there's, there's, the, there's still plenty of room for growth for Markel Fultz, but just think about what the last year has meant for that guy in his career. Nobody had any idea if he was going to be an NBA player a year ago. And now the um, I, I would say the level of expectations have raised just a little bit, Dan.
1: No, unquestionably. And I, I even remember at Summer League last year, which, mind you, is going on early to mid-July, uh, having conversations with people about Markel Faults and when he was going to be able to, you know, fully practice or do anything. And it was still uncertain. It was still uncertain and unclear. Uh, you know, everybody was trying to guard him, protect him and bring him along at the right pace. Uh, so... So for him to come five games into the season and become a starter is just fascinating. And, you know, as Jeff Weltman alluded to in his media call and he was actually talking about Mo Bamba in this instance, but it holds true with Markel Fultz is off seasons for young players are worth their weight in gold. This is where you make the biggest strides uh, in your game. You can look back at all the, you know, areas where you struggled, areas where you want to make an improvements and for Markel Foltz, this is the first time he has real extended tape to go off of for what to work on. He's coming off a playoff series where he went against an all-defensive NBA team, point guard in Eric Bloodsoe, which also contains the league's best team by record. And then on top of that, you know, as Steve Clifford's mentioned multiple times, he wasn't able to shoot free-throw line jumpers right. consecutive days in mid-July last year, and that's the heart of the offseason. This year, he can freely attack all these elements. So just look at the strides his mid-range jumper made from the first half of the season to the second half of the season, how much more consistent it could be can be. And you think about all the elements of his games that he can now refine and get better at, even just from a physical conditioning standpoint. Right. So you know the future for Markel Fultz is very bright and i'm looking forward to seeing what a full off season can do for this guy i think that's a really good point i mean you
0: boy like, and then just go to the defensive end like there's so much potential there and the ability to put the work in day in and day out and not have to think about you know raising your shoulder <laughs> to to, to, get, to take jumpers um it's, it, it one full off season is going to i would think work wonders um, for the guy because you saw, you know, there's no practice time anymore. I mean, he improved so much throughout the year just by going out there um, and taking his lumps, um, you know, it, w- within the within NBA regular season competition. So um, it's going to be really fun to see what he looks like when he comes back next year. You mentioned Vooch. I think it's, you know, I think probably if you wrote Nick Vucevic off because of one series, one five-game series against the Toronto Raptors, Um, Then you probably jumped to some conclusions, but I'm not sure based on that. I'm not sure anybody expected what we saw against the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, I think if you had any questions about whether or not you can build a championship team around a player like Vooch, those were answered. Um, That doesn't mean this team is there right now. But with that said, like Vooch can be the center point of a championship offense. And now it's just on sort of refining the group around him. And obviously you need a little help um, and a little luck as far as health goes, but man, he was, I, I, didn't expect that. I thought he would play better than last year, but he, he exceeded my expectations and I'm sure yours as well.
1: No, no question. And I think the thing that Vooch does that makes him valuable to any team and you could put him in, you know, basically any grouping and he could be effective is just his playmaking As well as his spacing. So there's not a player, I think, in this league that wouldn't work with Vooch. Uh, You know, he can operate in the pick and roll. You can throw him down in the post. You can put him at the top of the key. He can do, you know, a number of different things. And he's a willing passer. He looks at matchups and he makes the right play over and over again. He's just a. you know, a very s- smart player, and when this Magic team needed him in those games, uh, he came through and delivered. Uh, you look at the number of games he kept this team in, uh, it, it's really remarkable, especially with the defensive with the defensive identity that Milwaukee Bucks team has. Uh, you know, you're talking about the number of players who are considered for Defensive Player of the Year on one team. Uh, so the... The ability of Vooch, I think, to as he's gone season by season to extend his range, develop his three-point shot, and still refine his playmaking shows that he has not fully maxed his potential yet. And he's such a cerebral player that doesn't necessarily rely on physical gifts that I see his game aging extremely well over time.
0: It's funny. I think you and I talked about that earlier this year. It kind of reminds me of... Um, of like Paul Gasol, like like yes, as you get into your thirties, typically a lot of times with bigs. Um, You see the drop off, but Vooch doesn't have, his game is, it's not a high impact type game. He's so smart and it's so based on um, his hands and his shooting ability and his passing ability that you could expect to see what we saw this past season, last season as well uh, for another five, six years, just based on, you know, compared to, to a lot of bigs who get to that point. And, you know, if you're Serge Ibaka, for instance, your game has to change pretty drastically. As you approach your 30s, um, and as you lose some of that athleticism, before I let you go, let's talk about those Bucks. Let's talk about the rest of the postseason um, and what we expect to see. I think I think if nothing else, the Magic serve notice that the Bucks, you know, the, the Bucks have some flaws. Um, as we record this, it's Tuesday, September 1st. Bucks fall down one game to none to the Heat last night. Um, look. Milwaukee's going to dare you to shoot a bunch of threes, and the Magic did a pretty good job of knocking down shots. But as we know, perimeter jumping is one of the issues with the Magic so far, or you know was one of the issues uh, with the Magic this season. You know, it was just probably wasn't consistent enough to be able to beat a team
1: like Milwaukee. Uh, that's not really a problem with Miami. You think the Bucks are in trouble here? Well, they're definitely going to be tested. I think you know the mindset of a Jimmy Butler uh, can help carry a team especially in these unique circumstances, because a lot of this is, you know, teams are at a rhythm right now. They're still not in their full playoff flow in comparison to what they would be like if they're coming off a straight 82 game regular season. So a lot of this comes down to, you know, mental fortitude and, you know, willingness to get things done. And Jimmy Butler is as committed of an NBA player as there is. He's got a bit of an old school edge and mindset to him um, that I think helps him in this environment. And we know, you know, that culture down there in Miami is about, you know, playing hard, uh, playing team style basketball. And those elements, I think, are accentuated in this type of basketball environment. Now, with that being said, uh, I do think that you know Bud is a great coach there in Milwaukee. They're going to make adjustments, and so it's hard to put too much stock in one game. And at the end of the day, I think you know obviously Giannis is the best player on the court in that series. He's going to improve, and I think it comes down to how well will he be supported. They need you know Brooke Lopez. To deliver, they need Eric Bloodsoe to be effective on the defensive end, and they need Chris Middleton to be that second scorer. That's the only way they're going to continue to advance and eventually reach their goal of a championship in Milwaukee. I think they have the capability. It's just in this basketball environment, are those players going to find their rhythm? that they had in the earlier part of the season. You got to make free throws too. That was an issue yesterday. Can't give um, up free ones. It's yeah. supposed to be the easiest points. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, um,
0: I always like you don't go on Twitter when you work for the magic and say, I think the Raptors and Lakers are going to play in the finals before the postseason (laughs) starts. But at this point, that was kind of what I had in my head was I paid more attention to what the Raptors had done in the bubble and the way that they were playing. And then I kind of ignored what the Lakers had done in the bubble during the seeding games, just because LeBron's LeBron. um, And I think they have probably the best four. Um, But I was thinking Raptors Lakers. I still like my Lakers inclination. I'm not sure about the Raptors, Um, What do you think? If you had to say it right now, who would you expect to see in the finals?
1: You know, it's weird with the Hayward injury going on, but the thing about the Celtics that I like in this basketball environment is you have four individual players who can all get, and this is assuming Hayward becomes healthy at some point, can all get hot Mm. and deliver dynamic individual performances that even if the team isn't in a full rhythm, you can ride the hot hand and get yourself a victory. And I think that's the thing Boston has going it for right now is, you know, whether it's Tatum, whether it's Kembo, whether it's Jalen Brown, whether it's, you know, Gordon Hayward in the early part of the postseason, they have a number of guys that they could turn to. And when talking to, you know, our former protege, you remember Mark D'Amico from, sure. you know, being here. And when you talk to, to him in depth about the way the Celtics are playing, uh, they shifted a little bit this season from a team based ball movement uh, reliant offense to one that highlights individual isolated performances from time to time. They have the flexibility to play both ways. And I think, again, in this basketball environment where everybody's not in a full rhythm, if you can ride a hot hand and have the capability to be flexible enough to, to go with the guy that's, you know, shooting extremely well that night that can help you and they have you know a number of guys on that roster that can take over a basketball game so right now you know I think if Hayward can get healthy and and uh, help that team out they might have the best chance in the east
0: that's not I I really like that rationale um because you're right like on a night-to-night basis somebody's got to get hot and that's what we've been seeing almost throughout the postseason you know look at the denver utah series for crying out loud look at what miami did last night behind 40 points from jimmy butler and yeah if Kemba's was having an off night you can go to tatum tatum's having an off night go to brown um or or when you get hayward back i kind of like that rationale and especially if, if kyle lowry's not going to be right for toronto then this could be a short series i'm sure we'll see um a bounce back effort but he's got to get that ankle right um and toronto look toronto plays great as a group obviously but they might not have the firepower to be able to put up with the Celtics he's Dan Savage friend of the program all season long friend of the podcast friend of the radio broadcast uh you helped us on post game this season um the down when we actually had fans and when we had a post game show you helped us out on magic drive time all season long and I appreciate your time here on magic weekly Dano uh a very well deserved couple weeks off coming up here for you and uh, I think I owe you lunch at some point
1: well, thank you, Jake. And, and may I say, what a, what a first season to, to come back and join the Man- Magic Radio broadcast. Uh, you've been tested in just about every way imaginable. Uh, you got highlighted on our staff call today about your willingness to, you know, host a show, produce a broadcast, engineer. Uh, you've, you've worn, well, I may have worn a lot of hats for the organization, You've certainly worn every hat for the radio department. So congrats to you on finally having that first season under your belt. Back, I think between the two of us, between – since you – how many seasons is this now for you? Uh, this is 12 or 13. I have to, I have to look at it. I think around 12 under the belt. So. 12. Well, it counts as
0: 15. Well, 12 with the magic I mean, I and get credit like for three seasons in for this year, don't we? <laughs> I feel <laughs> we get like some we, extra tabs. we should get some extra credit for this one. Dan Savage, follow me on Twitter, at Dan underscore Savage. Follow me as well. It's at Jake Chapman, O-M. Uh, this has been Magic Weekly. Thanks so much for tuning in all season long. We'll, we'll switch back a little bit. We'll go to like a monthly frequency throughout this offseason. But anytime news breaks with the Orlando Magic, you know where to find us. Uh, everybody be safe. Have a great offseason. We'll talk to you soon.